0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Carson. This is our Tuesday edition of the week twelve uh, set of episodes. Um, of course, this is January third, 2023. Um, I think I had said uh, in a previous uh, previous episode when we were talking about the upcoming schedule that we would not do an episode today, um, but I felt like doing one. We won't do one tomorrow for sure. Uh, I have personal plans that. Uh, therefore, I won't be able to do the show that day, so we won't have a show tomorrow, but then we'll be back on Thursday. So that's kind of the plan for this week, but we'll do a show tonight because, uh, because why not? So, and especially because we've got a lot to talk about as far as the action last night, um, as well as getting updated on the awards chase, we haven't talked about that for a little while. Um, so let's just dive right into it. And we've got to start, of course, with what everyone's talking about, uh, the overtime victory for the cleveland cavaliers at home against the chicago bulls and especially what they're perhaps their best player certainly their leading scoring type guy and certainly on this night very much leading scoring guy donovan mitchell of course acquired in the offseason trade with utah jazz um you know kind of that final piece or they're hoping you know the uh a piece that puts them over the edge and really kind of solidifies their place as an Eastern conference uh, contender or, you know, hopeful contender. Um, And he just had one of the all time performances uh, certainly of this, uh, this century, maybe even the last, you know, 20, 30 years is scoring alone, you know, and there's, A handful of games that you can point to that are in this kind of same vein, Um, but I'll just quit dancing around it. Uh, Headline, Mitchell goes off for 71 to join historic company. Um, Unbelievable mark. He's in the top, I think it's the top five or six as far as uh, games, you you know, points in a single game. And you look at the the game charts, again, Chicago led through most of this game. Cleveland makes it close. They force overtime, and then they control overtime to win this one. Um, You know, you look at the Bulls. They had 44 from DeMar DeRozan. He was playing a very solid game. Uh, 26 from Zach Levine, 20 points, 13 rebounds for Vucevic. So, like, their team was doing solid. Excuse me. They had, as I said, again, the lead. They're playing a good game. Um, you know, Mitchell just would not be denied on this night, though. And he had good supporting help. I mean, Kevin Love starting in the place of uh, Evan Mobley. Not sure why he did not play in this game. Uh, oh, let's see, injury or illness. Uh, regardless, Kevin Love's 12.17 rebounds. He's still a solid player, even though he is aging. You know, he's productive when he plays. 21 points for Jared Allen, eight boards, Uh, 19 for Chetty Osman off the bench. Uh, They were without Darius Garland as well. But, yeah, Mitchell, he was 22 of 34 from the floor for 64% uh, field goal percentage, including 7 of 15 from three-point range, 46% there. And he made 20 of 25 free throws. 80% free throws. He had 11 assists as well. And that's another thing. I saw this stat on ESPN about this. that makes it even more impressive. Of course, scoring 71 points is absolutely unbelievable. But to have 11 assists in addition to that, uh, ESPN says Mitchell also added 11 assists, by far the most by a player in a 70-point game in NBA history. In total, Mitchell scored or assisted 99 points for the Cavs. And that's the most by any player since Wilt Chamberlain's NBA record 100 point game. That is even crazier to think. Certainly, this is one of the great single game performances you're going to see. It's regular season. It's a Bulls team that's sort of struggling, but it's still a division matchup. It's a, a rivalry game. You know, it. There's history between these these teams. They're both trying to be competitive in the Eastern Conference. They play each other a lot. You know, I think we're going to look back on this one for a long time. 71 points. It's unbelievable. Congratulations to him and the Cavs. What an unbelievable night. Uh, again, they win that game 1-45 to one thirty-four. Um, Not sure there's much more I can say to do it justice. I mean, you know, you, you just have to put up the the highlights and, and kind of watch through, you know, see if you can find a, a re- you know, a taped version of that game to to watch through and see what he's able to do. You know, he played 49 minutes as well, and that's certainly a part of it to, to be able to be on the floor that long, you know, pretty much the whole game. Plus, I'm sure most, if not all of overtime as well, um, but still an un- unbelievable performance. Um, you know, I, I want to get that uh, straightened out exactly where he places on the Leaderboard uh points, single game. So he now, yeah, he's eighth in terms of a single game. He's tied with David Robinson and Elgin Baylor for the eighth highest scoring game in NBA history. Uh, if you're talking about individual players, um, you know, one player gets one their highest scoring performance account. Then he would be the fourth. Um, Of course, (laughs) you look at the leaderboard, number one, of course, Wilt Chamberlain, 100 points. Second, Kobe Bryant, 81. Third, Wilt Chamberlain, 78, (laughs) just a few months prior to that 100-point game. Number four is a tie between David Thompson for the Nuggets and two different games from, uh, let's see, (laughs) from 1962 as well. 73, scored twice in the same calendar year, along with 78 in the prior year, 100. He scored 72 in 1962 as well. Um, and then Mitchell tied with Robinson and Baylor. So, yeah, Wilt Chamberlain, of course, is all over these single-game points records. Um, Pretty absurd. But to have him – to be in that type of conversation is is unreal, you know. So, again, props to him. One of the all-time great performances you'll ever see. Um, great stuff for the Cavs, for Donovan Mitchell. Even as a you know a fan, I was disappointed to see him leave the Jazz because I know what he's capable of. And it seemed that potentially either was he wasn't being utilized correctly for whatever reason with the Jazz, or he just simply wasn't happy being in Utah or with the Jazz. It's hard to say exactly what the issue was, but things seemed to be working better for him in Cleveland. You know, and, um, you know, he did a lot of great things for Utah. So you can't be mad. You can't be too upset if he's doing well at a, a place that he'd rather be or if he's working better in this new situation. So, um, so yeah, great stuff for them. Let's go ahead and talk about the the other note, one of the other big games from yesterday's action. We had a double, double overtime affair in Golden State. The Warriors were facing off. They were hosting the Atlanta Hawks, and they went to double overtime, but they uh, were able to win it 143-141 to off of a Kavon Looney putback. And the game charts, Golden State had a big lead through most of this game until the end of the third. Atlanta took a lead, and then, as you'd imagine, back and forth in overtime. And um, for the Hawks, they had some pretty great performances, 30 points and 14 assists for Trey Young. 25 points, 13 boards for John Collins, 12 boards, 16 points for Onyeka Okungwu, 25 points, and 10 rebounds for DeJounte Murray. So three guys in double figures rebounding. Uh, DeJounte Murray also with seven assists, um, a lot of blocks, a lot of steals. You know, Atlanta played a great game. Golden State, well, they were firstly – and most importantly, aided by 54 points from Clay Thompson. He had 10 threes in this game. Um great to see him play well after he's been kind of getting the you know some some flack from people saying that he's he's past his prime or he's not able to do the same things he's done in the past. I'd like like to see him have that kind of a game. He's one of my the players I enjoy, even though I'm not a big Warriors fan. Um twenty-eight for Jordan Poole although his percentages weren't stellar. He still got the job done in terms of just points in general. Uh, 13 boards, 11 assists for Draymond Green, along with two steals, three blocks, five points. I mean, that's the stat line you expect from Draymond. You don't need the points. He's just going to do everything else and be a a productive player. Kevon Looney, 20 boards in this game, huge rebounding effort along with 14 points. So uh, I think Golden State looks like they just, you know, that that old cliche of who wants it more you know i'm sure both teams want to win and there's not necessarily that much of a who wants it more sense but you, you, you have to say you know making that effort in terms of a rebound and a putback maybe there's that small sense of wanting it more or just outworking a guy for a rebound in that sense but um uh yeah close win for golden state great game for clay uh cool to see that uh from last night's action let's go ahead and real quick run through the other games those were kind of the two biggest ones to talk about uh julius Randle scores 28 as Knicks run past suns so they win that game in new york in the garden 102 to 83 um they led big through most of the game for phoenix they are still without devin booker and they're still trying to figure out how to make that work Meanwhile for New York, yeah, Julius Randle, 28-16, 28 points and 16 boards, 24 for Jalen Brunson. Uh they're without RJ Barrett, uh, but they're still able to get the win there in the garden. Uh the next game, the Los Angeles Lakers win on the road in Charlotte against the Hornets, 121 to 115. Uh, and LeBron has another big game. You look at the game chart. Uh the Hornets kind of made a push towards the end, but Lakers held a A good lead throughout most all of this game. For the Hornets, uh, 27 from Terry Rozier, 24 from LaMelo Ball, 14 boards for Mason Plumlee. uh, In total, five guys in double figures. Meanwhile, for the Lakers, 15 boards, 18 points for Thomas Bryant. He continues to be solid for them. 15 for Schroeder, 15 for Austin Reeves off the bench. But, yeah, 43 points, 11 boards, six assists for LeBron James. He continues to – Put in some great scoring performances in the recent weeks and you know last month or so. Um next, the Indiana Pacers defend home court against the Toronto Raptors. They win one twenty-two to one fourteen. Uh back and forth game, but then they pull away at the end of the fourth quarter for the Raptors. 32 from Gary Trent, uh, 26 from Siakam, 23 from Scotty Barnes, 17 from OG Ananobi. So pretty solid, you know, uh, distributing of scoring there. Just a little bit more well-rounded for Indiana. Uh, they had seven guys in double figures, uh, 10 boards for Miles Turner and 11 boards for Jalen Smith off the bench. Uh, 21 points for Matherin off the bench, the leading scorer. Healed with 19. A little bit more well-rounded effort from Indiana, and they were just a better team that night or played perhaps a little more well-rounded game. Uh, next, Philadelphia 76ers getting back in the win column. They win against the New Orleans Pelicans, 120-111 to 111 in Philly. So that's a big home win against a stout Western Conference team. Uh, game charts, New Orleans kept things close at key points, but uh, Sixers had big leads throughout. For New Orleans, uh, Zion led the way where he and uh, C.J. McCollum tied 26 points each for them. Uh, 12 boards, 12 points for Valanchunas. Uh, 10 each for Hayes and Marshall off the bench. Meanwhile, for the Sixers, Harden with 27 points, 8 assists. He continues to be that scoring, distributing guard that they really need him to be. Uh, 42 for Joel Embiid. He leads the way with 11 boards as well, 5 assists. Um and then 15 for Yang and 12 for Maxi, both coming off the bench. So a nice win for Philly. Uh, next, the Nets, Brooklyn Nets, keep their win streak alive at home against the San Antonio Spurs. This was probably the, the other big game of note. Uh, they went at home 139 to 103, their 12th straight victory. So that's a huge win. And they led big throughout most of this game. Wasn't too much of a heated contest. For San Antonio, they were led by Kelvin Johnson, 22 points, uh, 11 boards for Jakob Pirtle. Otherwise, uh, sort of a more lackluster game from their guys. Uh, for the Nets, it's what you'd expect. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant leading the way. 27 for Kyrie, 25 for Durant, 11 assists for Durant, and eight rebounds for Kyrie Irving. You'd kind of expect those to be swapped between those two players. but still a good performance. TJ Warren at, at 18 off the bench, 16 for Seth Curry, and a nice uh, all-round game for the Nets. There was even a play I saw, uh, you know, there's a missed, missed shot by Watanabe, and uh, Kyrie goes in and gets a put-back dunk, and the, the bench absolutely exploded. You don't see Kyrie get up too often for dunks like that, and, uh, you know, again, night and day difference. The Nets are, you know, on an absolute tear, Totally different than what they were doing at the start of the season. They are, you know, top two or three team in the West Eastern Conference for sure. Uh, so, a great win for them. Next, the Dallas Mavericks win in Houston against the Rockets, 111 to 106. Um, it was a, a fourth quarter push because Houston held the lead throughout much of the game uh, for Houston. They're led by 25 from Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, 20 from Jalen Green in support of him, and 19 for Merrick Gordon. So the three guards, kind of the scoring you'd expect. Shangoon 16 points as well. Uh, not a ton of great bench scoring for them. Meanwhile, for Dallas, uh, 21 from Tim Hardaway, 21 from Christian Wood, but of course Luca is going to keep doing what he's been doing. 39 points, 12 boards, eight assists, um, and he was only one for nine from three. It could have perhaps been another 40 point type game, uh, but. This time, merely 39, um, as crazy as that sounds. But Dallas still able to come up with a win. Next, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They defend home court against the Denver Nuggets. Um, kind of an upset there and a big win for a Timberwolves team that had been slacking in recent uh, recent weeks. And it was pretty back and forth. But then Timberwolves took a lead into the fourth quarter and uh, and sustained it. For Denver, 12.16 boards for Aaron Gordon. Nice game. Jokic, 24 points, 9 assists, 7 boards. Uh, 18 off the bench for Bones Highland. Meanwhile, for the Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards leads the way. 29 points, 10 boards. 21 for Jaden McDaniels. 19 for Kyle Anderson. And 17 for Jalen Noel. Um, So nice win for Minnesota to help kind of right the ship there. Uh, We have two more games to talk about real quick to get through the summary of last night's action. Firstly, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, you know, they're sorry, Portland Trailblazers. They win at home against the Detroit Pistons. Big win, 135 to 106. Not a huge contest, uh, although it was very close through the first half Uh, through the second half, though. Portland just ran away with it. Uh, For the Pistons, 21 from Bogdanovich. He's been their leading scorer for for most of the season. 11 boards for Jalen Duren getting the start. Uh, 19 for Alec Burks and 16 for Hamadou Diallo off the bench each. But for Portland, they get 36 from Jeremy Grant. 19 points, 10 assists for Damian Lillard. 30 points for Anthony Simons. Uh, 10 points, 10 boards for Drew Eubanks coming off the bench. And Portland just kind of the better team on that night. Um, and finally the Miami heat visit the LA Clippers and win another road game, uh, 110 to 100. Although they, uh, they had a big lead that was lost at the end of the third quarter. They built the lead back up in the fourth to still be able to win this game, uh, for the Clippers, Paul George led the way 25 points. Um, looks like Kawhi Leonard did not play probably, uh, load management type thing or you know minutes restrictions game restrictions those types of things uh 14 for marcus morris 10 for zubats 11 for Kennard off the bench those are your four leading scorers for the clippers not tremendous scoring meanwhile for miami 31 points 13 boards for bam Adebayo. he led the charge tyler hero 23 points uh seven boards Jimmy Butler only nine points. Caleb Martin only two points. But then off the bench, 15 for Victor Oladipo and 13 for Max Struis. Miami uh, able to come out with a win on the road. So that takes us through our game summaries. Uh, a pretty busy night last night uh, as far as you know, high-scoring games, big matchups. Um, tonight we only have a few games. A lot of help when we come back on Thursday. We'll summarize Tuesday and Wednesdays games, of course today and tomorrow's games. Um, So now let's go into our quick key news. We don't have a ton of news items. Firstly, uh, kind of a you know half funny note from uh, Cleveland: the Cavs were drug tested after just the day after that seventy-one point night from Donovan Mitchell. There's an ESPN column by Jamal Collier. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, A day after a historic 71-point game from All-Star Donovan Mitchell, the Cleveland Cavaliers were issued tests for performance-enhancing drugs Tuesday afternoon, the team confirmed ESPN. Um, And then kind of a funny tweet from Donovan Mitchell. He's like, and just like that, we are drug-tested this morning. And he's got, you know, kind of laughing about it. I think that's – it's kind of – you have to think that it's just a coincidence, but I guess you really don't know. It would be kind of a – conspiracy i guess but kind of a funny thing um reminds me of an nfl situation there was a punter i think it was pat mcafee i can't remember um punter that tracks down a guy on a punt return and lays a big hit yeah i'm pretty sure it was mcafee and then like the next day or after a couple days he was drug tested because it's like oh you shouldn't be doing this (laughs) like this doesn't seem natural but anyways kind of a funny side note um couple of injury things uh for the charlotte hornets forward uh, kelly Oubre jr set to undergo hand surgery today Uh, i think that's already happened by this point in the night uh he's set to be out four to six weeks with that injury uh for detroit forward marvin bagley III is out indefinitely with a right hand injury um and for new orleans forward zion williamson is expected to miss several weeks with a hamstring strain that one especially damaging to the the Pelicans, but all three of these are significant injuries. Uh, of course, wishing the best for these players in their recovery, and hopefully they're able to get back on the court soon. Uh, finally, we have our uh, monthly awards announced for the month of December. Firstly, uh, Jacques Vaughn and Willie Green were named the NBA Coaches of the Month in the Eastern and Western Conference, respectively. Jacques Vaughn, of course, for the Nets and what they've been able to do. Willie Green for the Pelicans. Um, then Paolo Banquero and Keegan Murray were named NBA Rookies of the Month in the Eastern and Western Conferences, respectively. Uh, Banchero, of course, potentially a front runner in Rookie of the Year running, and we'll again talk about that in just a second. Uh, for the Magic, he's helped them be a little better than they would be otherwise. Keegan Murray played a nice role with the, the Beam team in Sacramento. Uh, and finally, Joel Embiid and Luka Doncic named NBA Players of the Month in the Eastern and Western Conferences, respectively. No big surprises there. Joel Embiid, of course, um doing some great things for Philly, especially these last uh this last week, was able to kind of lift them a bit and and keep them in that Eastern Conference race. And then Luka Doncic, there's not much that needs to be said there that hasn't already been said in the last week or two. Absolutely unstoppable. Um, one of the great, you know, stretches of of games we've seen, and all of those came in December, pretty much. So Kind of a no-brainer choice there. Okay, so that takes us through our game summaries, our news. Um, let's talk award chases, and this is something I haven't kept updated. But let's, you know, we just barely were talking about Luka Doncic. This is be kind of going to kind of be informal a little bit, but we were just barely talking Luka. At this point, he's got to be, you know, front runner for MVP, and um, he was a big name early on he lost some footing because of you know the mavericks slumped and then this recent stretch has really put him back into that fold i mean he's averaging 34 points a game just about eight or just about nine rebounds and nine assists along with uh nearly two steals a game a half block uh pretty good percentages but he's willing dallas to uh you know a competitive Position in the Western Conference. They're fourth currently uh, after Tuesday's action, 22 and 16, uh, 58% winning percentage. And he's done tremendous things. The The name that I think you'd have to throw in that same type of mix would be Nicole Jokic. And I know that he's back to back MVP and there's that voter fatigue aspect, but he's averaging 25 and a half points. Uh, nearly eleven rebounds, nine and a half assists, uh, one and a half steals. Pretty great percentages as well. And Denver's the best team in the Western Conference right now, so they're even a, a an even better team. And they've got Murray back. The, the team, of course, is a little bit more well rounded, but you can't ignore what Jokic is doing. Doncic and Jokic, I think, would have to be your front runners. Um. Then it gets a little bit more hazy at different points. Different guys have been kind of closer to that, uh, you know, mix. I'd say in some sort of mix for, you know, third through sixth in consideration, you've got a bunch of the key guys in the Eastern Conference, you know, Doncic and Jokic, of course, top guys on Western Conference teams. But all the top guys on the Eastern Conference teams are – they got to be in this mix too, especially with, you know, how good the East has been this year, or the top group in the East has been. Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, and Kevin Durant. In no particular order, those guys have to be kind of your next group. And you could even put Donovan Mitchell in that same category to an extent, and that gives you seven great candidates for MVP – especially Jokic and Doncic. Outside of that, you maybe get like a LeBron, uh, you know, consideration. Maybe even SGA in terms of what he's done. I think we'd save his name for some other awards types of conversations. Um, Booker was there early, but then Phoenix has slid, and now he's missing time with injury. And maybe even has Zion there with... New Orleans but again he'll miss time with injury now so I really think you have seven or eight guys that are kind of your mix and more likely you know two three or four those are the names that I would consider especially Jokic and Doncic Tatum probably probably Giannis next because he's really been tremendous and he's making sure that Milwaukee doesn't slide after they had a couple losses. It'd probably be Donchich and Jokic kind of tied one and then three and four Giannis and Duran at this point, because of what the Nets have been able to do and then Tatum or Embiid or Mitchell behind them. That's kind of what I would say is your MVP group at this current moment. Um, As it's been this season, I'm anticipating the rookie conversation is going to be a lot more straightforward. Um, And it is. I mean, Bancaro, he missed a little bit of time with injury, but he's averaging 20 20 points, uh, nearly seven boards, four assists, on some pretty solid percentages for a rookie. And he's helped the Magic to be not quite as terrible as maybe they could be. Um, Although Matherin keeps things sort of close. I mean, he's a very productive bench scoring guy, um, good percentages. And Indiana's certainly been helped by his presence. Maybe you have Ivy third, but really it's kind of Bankeros to lose at this point, in my opinion. Um, let's talk defensive player of the year. This one was one that when Anthony Davis was on his tear, I liked him in my mind for being a guy in this kind of conversation. With him missing time, and especially with the Lakers struggling, I kind of don't think he's going to get that consideration, and he might not have gotten a ton of consideration at that point, anyways. Um, looking at things the way they are, and not checking kind of the advanced statistics for defensive, you know, play, uh, going based on kind of what I remember from couple times that have glanced at the NBA's uh defensive player ladder I would imagine the front runner at this point is a guy like OG Ananobi. he's leading the league in steals he has good blocks he's got good length uh you know rebounding he kind of plays defense he, he's a good mix of impact and stats in terms of defensive play um, SGA has some nice numbers. 1.7 steals and a, and one block per game. Um, but he might be more numbers than actual impact. Uh, you got to think Marcus Smart probably gets some consideration in that type of mix with the way that Brooklyn's been playing. Maybe Ben Simmons finds his way in there, but probably not. I haven't heard a ton of talk about Simmons. Um, so that's kind of maybe just an early thought. Of course, I would think... Giannis would be somewhere in this conversation. Um, not as stellar defensively as he's been in years past, but still still effective. Uh, Brooke Lopez leads the league in blocks. He's certainly a name up there. I think he might actually have been the last guy I saw at number one in defensive player of the year conversation. Nick Claxton's been good too 2.5 blocks, 2.1 for Miles Turner. So, wow, Walker Kessler's fifth in the league in blocks per game average. Man, Kid Kessler doing some good stuff for Utah there. And he's only playing eighteen minutes per game. Um that's remarkable. Kinda wonder he has started six games. I wonder if he's gonna get more and more minutes if he could be a guy that'd be effective. But regardless, uh probably if you want just a collection of names, OG Ananobi, Brook Lopez. Um and those are probably the two that are gonna get most consideration if I had to guess, but uh, hard for me to say for sure. Then let's talk. Uh, six man of the year. Uh, let's see. Game started. We want minimum games started here? No. Again, it it's been a little while since I've checked kind of the the statistics on these chases. Some names to throw out there, Malik Monk, Brogdon, Bones Highland. Um, Mathurin, as a rookie, he's got to be a strong name. 17 points, four boards, and assist, and pretty good percentages. And he is like your quintessential six-man instant offense. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, he's missed some time, so probably not a guy you'd see in the conversation. Westbrook, I think, has been good for the Lakers, in all honesty, as in that kind of six-man role. Um, Malik Beasley, Norman Powell. um, Bobby Portis, I think, would be a great name. Christian Wood, although he is starting some more games, so he might be less in this conversation. Um, And then you start getting into guys who have either just not played a ton of games or they haven't started a bunch yet, they're injured, you know. So I'd say probably Portis, uh, Beasley, Powell, Westbrook, Matherin. Those are kind of the themes I would probably say are most in that mix for six-man. And then most improved, I think you'd have an easy choice here. SGA, Shea Gildress-Alexander. Maybe even Donovan Mitchell gets a vote in terms of, you know, percentage increase, points increase, um, just more efficient play. Um, outside of that, there's not, I mean, Lowry Markinen could maybe get some consideration. Aaron Fox simply because of the Kings being all more winning type team, Anthony Simons. But SGA, I think, would certainly be your front runner in that type of a conversation. Yeah. Um, So, so there, and again, a little bit more informal, sorry that I wasn't more organized with my award races, just, you know, notes and discussion. But I think that that's, you know, looking through it, talking through it, that's kind of what we're looking at as far as um, each of those awards. If you want to throw out a bonus one for coaching, um, I mean, your, your coach of the month winners are probably good candidates. Jacques Vaughn, Willie Green. Those will be some good candidates for coach of the year. Joe Mazzula for Boston, Bakerstaff with Cleveland. You know, all the the teams that are doing much better than they did last year, those are kind of the teams I'd pick. Um, Probably wouldn't be Jenkins or Brudenholzer because they've already either won the award or had a bunch of consideration. Michael Malone, probably not, even if it's, you know, maybe you should win or should get more consideration. Maybe throw Rick Carlisle in there, but he's won it once or twice in the past as well. So he probably wouldn't get a ton of votes. So probably Missoula, Vaughn, Bakerstaff, or Willie Green. Those would probably be some nice choices at this point in the season. Um, otherwise, that gets us updated on our award chases again. We'll have you know clearer and clearer picture as the season goes on what that will look like. Um, Let's go ahead and get our This Day in History closing fact before we do a real quick run through of the schedule for the next couple days. Uh, So this day in history, uh, January 3rd of, let's see, we're going back to 1984 for this one. This is kind of fun. January 3rd, 1984, Jeff Malone hits a wild fading corner three to give the Washington Bullets a miraculous, 103-102. to win at home against the Detroit Pistons. And if you haven't seen this play, you're going to have to look it up. It's one of the craziest ones you'll see. Um, I forget who it is. Somebody throws, you know, quick outlet pass. They're trying to get a quick score. They throw it too far ahead of him. But Jeff Malone chases it down, manages to corral it, and then, you know, lands like right in the corner, hoists up a three. Fading is an understatement. He's falling out of bounds, you know along the baseline, out of the corner, falling out, throws it up, high arcing shot, and drains it and gives him a win. Um, one of the great highlights that kind of gets forgotten. Um, so definitely recommend looking up that highlight. Jeff Malone, kind of an underrated player. You know, he had some some great uh, seasons for the, the Bullets, and then he was a, a very productive starter for uh, the Jazz. Um, but, yeah, very underrated player. Okay, so that takes us through uh, our show for today. Let's go ahead and real quick talk about, um, again, the, the podcast schedule for the next couple of days. We won't have the show tomorrow, again, simply because of my own personal plans. Uh, but we'll be back Thursday, uh, the 5th, January 5th to probably do a combination show kind of like we've done a couple times in the past we'll talk about some things we would on wednesday try and get some thursday type discussions in there as well i'm hoping we can have justin there although i haven't talked to him about the fact that we won't do a wednesday show um haven't talked to him for a little bit he's uh had some pretty he's had a pretty busy personal life with the, the holiday season but then he's also been planning a, a move so um I haven't had the chance to talk to him for a little bit, but hopefully he'll be able to help out with the show Thursday. If not, then, you know, we'll rain check it, get him back, you know, at some point in the future, I'm sure. Uh, but regardless, that's the plan. We'll be back on Thursday. Once again, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back soon.